This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. episode 451 of the Yellow Pods. I'm your host Stefan Botsko and today we'll talk about the Borussia Dortmund offseason and for that <laughs> I am joined by my partner in crime Lars Parman. Hello Lars, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, I'm doing reasonably well, how are you? I'm stressed, I'm uh, looking forward to my vacation which starts on Friday but uh, yeah, in the meantime there is a lot of well, I don't know if it's a lot, but there are things to discuss. Uh, Borussia Dortmund have made a few moves since we've last recorded. I wanted to wait until Dortmund signed someone more prominent. Now, I don't know if uh, Felix Metzger is a prominent player or not, but at least Dortmund shelled out 30 million for him. But before we talk about him and that whole controversial transfer, let's put it this way, um, let's uh, quickly... Uh, <laughs> rattle off what we've uh, seen happen so far. So obviously Jude Bellingham left Dortmund for Real Madrid. I think the reported fee is somewhere between 100 million and 130 million, depending on whether or not you want to count bonuses. Rafael Guerrero left Borussia Dortmund in tears, only to join Bayern Munich on a free transfer. And uh, yeah, Dortmund have then signed... Benzabaini from Gladbach. I think that wasn't really a surprise. We've uh, discussed this um, transfer a lot already on the Yellow Wall Pods uh, in the previous season. And uh, yeah, of course, the transfer of Felix Metzger. So, Lars, let's start with the departing players first. Um, Jude Bellingham joining Real Madrid. Um, had you asked me in the previous summer, I would have hoped that he would play one additional season, to be honest, because his contract might have warranted it. But uh, yeah, uh, reality now looks a little bit different and uh, Dortmund have received over 100 million euros for him. Do you think this is an appropriate fee or considering that he's being dubbed a general generational talent and, of course, is an English player, which usually raises the price, uh, Dortmund were a little bit underpaid? I think it was a... Re- reasonable transfer fee i think the the problem as it were was um that bellingham was basically uh fixated on real madrid fairly early on in the process um i think that's why liverpool pulled out of the deal obviously they have to do a bit more of an overhaul in their squad as we've seen now with uh, a few signings i think um if you add Soboslai and uh, McAllister, it's basically the fee they would have had to pay for Bellingham. So it's understandable that they pulled out. I think Manchester City carried a level of interest. I don't know how deep that went. Uh, but Bellingham, as I said, relatively early on, decided on joining Real Madrid. And once you're only negotiating with one other club, it's always uh, detrimental to your uh, transfer gainings, if you like. But ultimately... I think whenever you get nine figures for a player, that's still pretty rare. I think Bellingham was the 
17th or so player in, in football transfer history to have a nine-figure fee. And uh, a lot of the, the bonuses are tied up in easily achievable goals for him personally and for Real Madrid. So we can basically assume it's going to end up somewhere close to the maximum amount, which is, I think, 130-odd-something. So ultimately, that's not a bad fee. Uh, could they have gotten a bit more out of it if there had been uh, like a bidding war? Yeah, probably, but that's not how it went. And ultimately, I think uh, if if a player really wants to go somewhere um, as a club, you kind of have to accommodate him. And ultimately, I think um, it, I, I like it better for him to go to Real Madrid because it's the, the biggest club in the world. It's always... Um, I mean, people always go uh, on and on about Dortmund being a selling club and, and, you know, that being kind of a small club mentality to develop players for other teams. But I always maintain that as long as they leave for the biggest clubs in the world, uh, be that Real Madrid, be that Barcelona in the case of Dembele uh, or Man City in the case of uh, Erling Haaland, I think that's still pretty okay. I think the problem I would have if... Uh, um, you know, they lost someone now to, let's say, Newcastle or uh, uh, Juventus a couple of years back. That would have been more of a problem to me because those are clubs that aren't, you know, in the pecking order much ahead, if ahead at all, uh, of Dortmund. Whereas, um, you know, when a player gets the chance to join Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man City these days, I think that's fair enough, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, I personally wish him all the best. Um, you know, he's been awesome for Dortmund in so many capacities. Um, really, uh, became an instant fan favorite. And I mean, didn't he just turn twenty the other day, like last week or so? It's, it's, it's really amazing how uh, <laughs> young he still is, and uh, yeah, to make this move. Um, one question I do have, though, do you, do you think he's going to have an easy time at Real Madrid or uh, do you think he's going to struggle like a lot of other uh, highly touted Dortmund prospects have uh, after making the move uh, away from Dortmund? I think um, the, the situation at Real Madrid is pretty comfortable for him because he doesn't have to function right away. He's not going to... Uh, eat up a lot of minutes right away, I would say, because they've uh, extended Tony Kroos' deal. They have or will still, I don't have it in front of me necessarily, um, extend Luka Modric's deal. So um, they have uh, Kamavinga, Chouameni, Valverde. It, it's it's not like uh, Real need Bellingham to play uh, 38 La Liga games next season and be uh, the absolute difference maker. So I think from that perspective, it's probably the the best move for him because he can adapt himself uh, we know that he can do that quickly because he's done it at Dortmund he's done it at the England national team um, and and kind of learn I think uh, when he was presented in Madrid he said he wanted to be a sponge and, and get on uh, courses and Modric's nerves uh, and I think that's the right attitude to have um, when when you join as uh, you know, the young pretender, as it were, um, and trying to get someone else's minutes. Um, you know, you should look up to the guys who've done it for so many years, who've won uh, a handful of Champions League titles. And 
as I said, I think it's kind of the perfect move uh, in that regard. And I, I just really like um, what it says about Bellingham and in terms of his personality, because uh, as an England international, it would have been quite easy to go to Man City or whomever else in, in England and say, this is, you know, let, let me do three, four years here and then go to Real Madrid. But he said, no, I, I'm going to sign for the biggest club in the world at the age of 19, going to start my journey there at 20. And I think I can do this. And I think that's, kind of the mentality he's shown uh, over three individually brilliant brilliant seasons at Dortmund, which ultimately obviously weren't um, hugely successful for the club, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I want to bring it up. Um, but what, do, what I do unfortunately have to bring up now is that Rafael Guerrero is now a player for Bayern Munich. And um, yeah, I'm not too happy with this development because uh, as our long-time listeners and not, not even that long time listeners know, uh, I would have uh, liked him sort of as the Bellingham in-house replacement, if you will. But of course, Dortmund did not manage to extend his contract. I feel like the story goes something like at first Dortmund didn't want to extend, but Guerrero did. And then Dortmund wanted to extend, but then Guerrero didn't. Now, Lars, I know that uh, you are uh, equally, if not more, miffed than I am about this transfer. Um... Your your thoughts on Guerrero's seven years at Dortmund and uh, the exit that he had. Are Dortmund fans, in your opinion, uh, allowed to be disgruntled with uh, this move or not? Uh, with the move, yes. With uh, Guerrero himself, no. With the club, yes. Um, Long-time listeners in this case do know that I never blame the player for any career decisions they make because they have a limited time frame to make as much money as they can and set themselves up for life. Uh, it's easily said that, you know, one season uh, at, at Dortmund should be enough to last a lifetime, but obviously they adopt a lifestyle that, uh, you know, is not easily maintained uh, once your playing career is over. And that's why a lot of these players can't really manage money and maybe haven't made enough money uh, over the context of their careers, uh, struggle financially after their career. So I never blame the player for any decisions they make. Um, I do blame, in this case, Dortmund because they let go of the most creative left back in Europe, possibly. Um, obviously, he's not necessarily only a left back for Dortmund and that is even an added uh, bonus or in this case, malus, uh, if you like. Uh, that they let him go because obviously he would have been able to give them something that they lose with uh, Bellingham. And uh, we all know that Ben Zabaini was basically done uh, before the decision ultimately was made with Guerrero. So they could easily have accommodated having both in the squad. Um, that's not how it happened. And I think uh, when you look at Dortmund wanting to extend Guerrero's deal, but not really, um, and then giving him... Uh, an offer of a two plus one contract and then he goes uh, on the free market and Bayern scoop him up on a three-year deal uh, which is what he was looking for from Dortmund then I don't necessarily understand how uh, anyone could see this as anything but a massive loss for Dortmund and a massive win for Bayern because uh, obviously he's now not only uh, one of the best Bundesliga players over the last seven years uh, again one of the most creative on paper anyway, left-backs I've ever seen. But he's also playing for Thomas Tuchel, who um, until 
I don't know, maybe even Terzic in the last few months was the Dortmund coach who got the most out of Guerrero uh, early on in, in his time at Dortmund. So, uh, all in all, this is quite clearly one of those deals that uh, doesn't reflect well on anything Dortmund have done. Even if you like Benzevaini, even if you think uh, that he's going to be an upgrade over Guerrero because he's not uh, indifferent about defending most of the time, uh, they still got a lot worse by uh, losing Guerrero and the the icing on the shit cake is that he signed for Bayern, obviously. Yeah, uh, back with his old mentor, sort of. I, I don't know why it didn't dawn on me earlier that uh, obviously the Tuchel-Guerrero connection was right there, right in front of me. I somehow did not uh, make it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, once the, the rumors came out, yeah, it was, it was pretty obvious because I think initially it was linked with Atletico, so... Um, so yeah, I think uh, this is a, a really detrimental development for Dortmund. Really, really stupid. Really, really bad. And um, yeah, it's obviously a lot of people are disgruntled with Guerrero because of the reports that uh, he had talks with Bayern in the week before the final match day. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. the The thing about Guerrero is that he was seven years in Dortmund. I still have not really any clue who he is. Sort of, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he's an amazing, fantastic footballer, but uh, the, the person, Rafael Guerrero, I feel like I've never got to know. Um, maybe also because he blocked me on Twitter uh, after I sent him a video in, I don't know, probably first season of him not going up for a header because I was disgruntled uh, from his defending back then and <laughs> maybe not very mature about it. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, he, he he does enjoy video games, uh, so that's something we share, I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, let's move on to, to Ben Zabaini, uh, who of course also joined uh, Dortmund on the free transfer. <sighs> and I'll be honest, Lars, I'm very underwhelmed by this signing. Um, maybe he is a defensive upgrade, as you said, but I don't know. I think he is tactically boneheaded sometimes, makes weird positional errors, and I don't know. Offensively, he's obviously not going to be as good as Guerrero, so I'm very reserved on this signing. I think I was actually more excited about Nico Schulz when Dortmund signed him then than I am now about Ben Sabaini and make of that what you will. Um, but yeah, he's an average left back, I hope, or slightly above average. I, I hope he fits in well. I hope, uh, it works out, but, uh, my prediction is that Dom will be on the search for yet another left back upgrade, uh, going forward with Ben Sabaini on the left side, um, because I don't think he is going to, uh, race to the level needed, um, overall as a player. I don't know if I'll be wrong about that or not, but I don't know. I'm I'm just I'm just not feeling it. How are you feeling it? I wouldn't be so harsh as you. Um, I think it's it's very hard now, um, after the fact, not to think of uh, Guerrero and then what is ultimately a downgrade to Benzebaini. If if we were to look at Benzebaini in, in a vacuum, I think. Uh, you would have to say that he's been an above-average left-back in the Bundesliga, at least over the last few years. Uh, he gets involved in quite a lot of goals for a left-back, obviously not as much as Guerrero, but 
nobody does who plays that position regularly in, in Germany anyway. Um, he's uh, very good physically, which is definitely something that Dortmund are looking for in all their signings over the last um, 18 months or whatever. Uh, because Terzic uh, quite clearly has a, uh, uh, a favoritism towards uh, players who are uh, physically strong, who are more often than not uh, tall and um, yeah, quick and physical. Um, yeah. So ultimately, Benzivaini doesn't move the needle for me too much. I think it was kind of a no-brainer to sign him on a free. Um, Obviously, free transfers aren't entirely free because uh, there are uh, bonus payments handed out to players and their agents, but it's still uh, cheaper than, uh, for example, splashing 25 million on Nico Schulz and giving him 5.5 million on a five-year deal. Um, and, and I, for one, definitely wasn't more excited about Nico Schulz joining uh, than Ben Zibaini, who I think will ultimately do a reasonable job um, yeah, it's just hard to get excited about anyone who isn't Guerrero because we've been treated to Guerrero over the last few years. And uh, I do agree with the idea that possibly Benzebaini is going to be a defensive upgrade uh, just because, you know, better work rate, better physical uh, tools to be a, a left back and not a left creator or whatever you want to call Guerrero. Uh, but as you said, he's also making uh, rash dumb decisions from time to time. He's fairly likely to get sent off uh, once a season, it seems. Um, and also, uh, being from Algeria, he's uh, likely to be away at uh, AFCON early next year. Same goes for Sebastian Allaire uh, with Cote d'Ivoire. So, uh, all in all, it, I can definitely understand the logic uh, behind signing him. Uh, and, and it's unfair to the player, but I think it, it's impossible not to uh, consider him in the light of losing Guerrero, and then it's a clear downgrade. Whereas, again, if if we were just looking at Benzabaini, that's definitely a fine six or seven out of ten kind of signing. Um, here's the thing, though. I wouldn't even really compare him to Guerrero, um, because. I, to me, Guerrero was never an ideal left back, so I was always hoping that Dortmund would find a better left back than Guerrero, <laughs> and ideally keep Guerrero around as a midfielder. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I just I'm just I'm just not excited. That that's that's my bottom line. Uh, maybe he can, uh, you know, develop in a player that he is not yet. That chance certainly uh, does exist. Um, yeah. But uh, it's, I don't know. To me, overall, this, this summer transfer window so far has been very underwhelming. And uh, I, I think that the main part of why is that Dortmund have signed Felix uh, Matcher from VfL Wolfsburg and uh, splashing around 30 million um, in doing so, which to me is a bit of an overpay. Um, but of, of course, um, when you read a statement like the following in um, a, a club... Uh, you know, announcing a player where Hans-Joachim Watzke and Reinhold Luno, the CEO and president, both uh, in a joint statement wrote, we are aware that this upcoming transfer has also attracted criticism in recent days due to two internet posts shared by Felix as a result 
it was important for us to talk intensively with the player and his faith and values. Felix is very young, his religion is deeply rooted in him and he, like all of us, is certainly not without faults, but he has completely convinced us in intensive talks that he does not hold any transphobic or homophobic beliefs. Felix has himself emphasized that he respects all people and loves irrespective skin color, religion or sexual orientation. Full stop. Lars, that is a bit of a humdinger. <laughs> uh, to come out of an announcement of a player signing. Um, now, I must admit, I haven't really looked into it too much yet, but I've, uh, you know, saw and I've seen the posts here and there, and of course I, being that I live in America, am sort of familiar with Matt Watch's work. And um, yeah, it is it is a very problematic, somewhat controversial uh, topic. Um, maybe can you still, because I know your moral compass is very much intact, uh, um, explain uh, this whole controversy a little bit, especially for people who may not uh, live 24-7 on Twitter or have paid too much attention to what exactly what is, is going on in this entire scenario. How much time do we got, Stefan? Um, <laughs> An hour-ish. Yeah. Um, because, uh, quite frankly, it's such a loaded discussion, a lot of sensibilities that we have to take into account, but uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it brief and try to not talk myself into too much of a frenzy um, <laughs> because I have quite strong feelings about this this whole thing. Um, yeah, maybe maybe starting with what he actually shared on Instagram and uh, I don't know if actually if it was a story which auto-deletes or whether those were uh, posts that he deleted afterwards. But anyway, um, one of them, as you said, Matt Walsh, a general right-wing nutter. I think he calls himself a theocratic fascist on Twitter or something like that. So yes, definitely not someone you want to associate yourself with. And uh, as a club, you don't want your players to associate with them. But uh, that's what uh, Matcher did. He uh, shared, let's say, uh, a video in which uh, Mr. Walsh was talking about uh, gender... Uh, I, I I actually don't even have the vocabulary to uh, describe it in, in English, so just look it up if you're interested. He was, uh, those were comments that were clearly uh, meant to uh, engender transphobic uh, feelings and uh, make it seem as if uh, people were trying to uh, make little kids, I think, uh, the one in the video mentioned is three years old, um, turn them into the opposite sex, as it were. Um, the other post uh, compared um, pride to grace, um, so the, the biblical sin pride to, I guess, Jesus's grace or Christian grace as a general concept, um, and, and showing how pride was very problematic for a... Uh, religious or Christian person, uh, which is, I guess, fair enough. I mean, uh, I don't necessarily share uh, any particularly fundamental Christian views, despite my uh, Catholic upbringing and the fact that my brother is a Catholic priest. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, 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 the clear problem there was that it was at the start of Pride Month, 
Um, so it wasn't just, you know, saying pride is a sin, uh, read the Bible. It was um, with a clear connotation that, you know, what happens during Pride Month and uh, LGBTQIA, or um, I'm sorry if I miss any letters there, um, anything in terms of representation and in, in that regard um, is a sin or problematic for uh, Matcher and whoever shares his beliefs. And uh, quite frankly, the, the problem for me isn't if he himself holds uh, homophobic, transphobic uh, viewpoints. Um, he wouldn't be the only one in Dortmund squad, I can tell you that much. Uh, not because I have intimate knowledge of them, but it's just a, basically a numbers game. Uh, if you have a group of 25 uh, youngish men, uh, there are bound to be a few, a few uh, bad apples, as it were, in them. So uh, that the problem, again, isn't that one person holds despicable, in my opinion, uh, views. It's that uh, signing him and not acknowledging, uh, or not really acknowledging, because uh, the, the, the statements and, and uh, Metscher also put out what ultimately was a uh, non-pology, uh, because he uh, never said sorry, he never uh, or asked for forgiveness, which would be the Christian thing to do, I guess. Uh, but he just said that he was taken out of context and he, he loves everybody and uh, the, the typical evangelical uh, bullshit bingo, basically. Um, yeah, the, the, the problem is that by not really acknowledging it from Dortmund's perspective and by signing Netscher, um, they are basically giving uh, people who hold the same values that Netscher himself holds or not doesn't hold, but you know, that he uh, portrayed in, in his social media activities, um, a platform. And, and they basically makes it seem okay to have those views. Um, and that's not something that I'm uh, pulling out of thin air. This is something that you can definitely uh, observe uh, on the internet these days, because whenever the, the topic matcher comes up, uh, there's a lot of outrage, uh, rightfully so, from my point of view, um, from people who... Uh, are disappointed with Dortmund and, and didn't want him or at least want him to uh, actually ask for forgiveness, which he hasn't done so far. And But there's also a, a chorus of people um, who spout um, the problematic viewpoints that he shared. Um, and, and again, that seems like Dortmund kind of uh, invited that stuff uh, with their signing of Nature and also their lack of acknowledgement of... Uh, you know, what actually happened there. So at the end of the day, the the thing is, Matcher is 22 years old. He's obviously been brought up in a way. I, uh, I'm assuming that he hasn't found his religion of late, but he's been, uh, pardon my word choice, indoctrinated um, in it. So I don't even hold too much against him. Again, he's a 22-year-old kid and... He's going to be smarter going forward, I'm sure, uh, in terms of his uh, social media activities. Um, and, and, you know, people deserve second chances and all that. So I'm, I'm not as fundamentally against, um, you know, signing him, but the, the communication around it has been quite frankly disappointing from Dortmund's uh, perspective um, and, and from himself, obviously, as well. Um, I would have liked some level of acknowledgement again that what he did was wrong and 
isn't uh, okay and definitely doesn't fit with uh, the Grundwerte Codex, the, the, the core values that club members and the club itself have given uh, Dortmund uh, a few months back, which uh, among a few other things also clearly states that Dortmund want to be an actor for a uh, free liberal um, society or, or however you want to call it uh, in in which uh, homophobia transphobia and all the, the other shit is just not no longer an issue and again um i i, I don't want to uh, break the staff over the player himself he's 22 years old um he deserves a second chance and he's going to be smarter going forward but just from from the entire communication around this transfer, the, the fact that Dortmund have to make a statement like uh, you quoted earlier, Stefan, uh, that basically means that they know they shouldn't have done this in, in the way they've done it, but ultimately they thought, hey, he's a good player and the rest, uh, I guess, will sort itself out. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that it's actually going to be the case because there's going to be a vocal minority who's going to keep up protesting and I'm sure there's also a couple of people who uh, give back their season tickets and uh, and their uh, club membership and all that. But for the most part, uh, people are now outraged, rightfully so again, in my opinion, but will uh, cease to, to be so and to uh, voice their concerns uh, once, you know, the games are go going, once uh, Netscher is fully uh, embedded in the squad and once, uh, you know, the grass has uh, grown over this thing as we would say in germany yeah yeah it's a very difficult topic obviously because uh, you, you can already at least on social media see a rift between Dortmund fans it was a hot topic uh for sure and uh, a lot of Dortmund fans uh disagree with each other over this and uh, i personally don't like it <laughs> i must say i i really wish there was there was uh, more agreement um of uh, dortmund fans uh, <laughs> over the fact that this is clearly uh, homophobic and transphobic and uh, queerphobic bullshit and uh, i wasn't also best pleased by uh, dr reinhold luno the, the now president um saying that uh, uh, these contents can be or could be interpreted as uh, uh, homophobic or, or queerphobic and um, yeah obviously there are a lot you know you were just talking about the numbers game statistically <laughs> this is a hundred percent guarantee that there are a lot of uh, gay lesbian queer trans and and other Dortmund fans um, that of course uh, also bear the brunt of this um, whole nonsense and have to deal with this bullshit because uh, you know if you open your mouth online you will definitely attract abuse um, I've you know, I've I've uh, experienced it myself quite quite a lot, quite vividly, and it is certainly not something you want to be dealing with. And now Dortmund have to be dealing with it, and uh, it sucks. So you know, if you are, you know, having even a shittier experience being a Dortmund fan because of that, uh, I'm I'm sorry for you. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of uh, people who said that they're considering not going to the stadium because they uh, do not want these kinds of discussions that are currently going on uh, in in the uh, 
uh, yeah, on, on the internet, they don't want to have them un in the stands either. They do not have that extra energy or whatever. Um, and uh, it is it is very difficult because I personally wouldn't have signed him because of that. I, I, I'm pretty clear. Um, second chance, yeah, maybe, but uh, I don't know. Um, I think there are other number eights out there that Dortmund could have found that aren't Felix Metzard. Now, we of course also have to talk about the player because he is de facto the replacement for Jude Bellingham. I'm not sure if Dortmund will um, find another number eight, but I'm pretty sure they are not going to find someone um, they are spending more than 30 million on. So I guess for now he is the de facto um, playmaker in Eden Terzic's system and um, of course he's already a German international uh, yeah um, he is 22 years old and uh, yeah I, I don't I don't really know too many things about the player himself because I personally don't watch a lot of Wolfsburg but if, I mean his stats are right in, in terms of his, his uh Non-penalty goal production by uh, FBRF, it's 0 0.15 uh, per 90, which is about half of what uh, Bellingham produced. Um, you know, he does take almost two shots per game, which is good. His assist rate is uh, at 0 0.25, expected assists at uh, 0 0.16 per game. Um, his passes attempted are very low for a player in his position. I don't know if this... Uh, is down to the voice book system or not. It's always hard to gauge um, from this. But uh, yeah, progressive passes uh, isn't very high. It's in the in the lower third compared to players in this position. And the progressive carry is also not really uh, high. But at least the successful take-ons stat is uh, 1.27 uh, per 90, which is important because that's something that Jude Bellingham did really well. So at least in, in that category, he's in the 81st percentile. Um, yeah, and defensively, I think he's a solid player, but um, I'll be honest, 30 million is, seem, seems a bit high. La Lars, am I, am I wrong? Is, is, he, is he worth the money if you, uh, you know, <laughs> exclude all the other nonsense, which, one, which is hard to do, but... If you just look at the at the footballer fix and mentor, is he worth thirty million or the dominant overpay? I I guess that's almost a uh, philosophical question because uh, you could easily argue that uh, players are worth whatever uh, clubs are willing to spend on them. Um, I mean, the the question becomes: Would I have been comfortable spending uh, twenty five plus seven or however the actual um, division between uh, the the basis fee and bonus payments uh, ends up uh, being uh, yeah I personally wouldn't have uh, been comfortable with that because Metzger has really only played uh, one full season at this level um, that was a pretty good season last year but not a great one um, obviously it's it's always a bit difficult to project how someone from a team like Wolfsburg who are very much out of the center of attention uh, in, in German football generally and, and have a somewhat uh, different playing style from Dortmund just because under Nico Kovac they uh, 
you know, do the typical Kovac thing of uh, trying to do most things on the counter and uh, not necessarily loving possession, even though I think uh, stats-wise they weren't terrible on the ball last season. Um, I think the 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 problem is obviously he's going to be compared to Bellingham all the time. Um, I think the club were quite smart not to give him Bellingham's number twenty two, which uh, Natcha wore at Wolfsburg last year. Uh, they gave him uh, the Woods number eight, um, which is also where he's going to play. Um, yeah, I think that's right at least. Yeah, yeah, I mean, at, at at least when in my in my numbers thing, I'm satisfied. I'm still very pissed at Torgan Hazard ha having had the number ten. So at least in that category, I'm I'm appeased. Yeah, um, <laughs> I I mean uh, the, the 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 problem with the comparison is that I don't think they are actually all that similar players. Uh, Matcha and Bellingham. I mean, uh, Matcha is taller. He's uh, quite a bit quicker. Um, He's better in the air without Bellingham having been bad in the air, but I think uh, Natcha has, has scored all his Bundesliga goals so far uh, with headers. That's um, interesting. I, I, I mean, I've only seen uh, three of his goals, and I think he has only scored three goals. In <laughs> yeah, I was going to so say, in the last Bundesliga season, he scored three goals, had five assists in yeah. 30 games played. Which is always... We all know that assists are... Can be a misleading number, and well, we need we need to know the pre-assist numbers. Get it together, FB ref. That's what we really need. So, um, Natcha is, I think, technically a bit more gifted, let's say, than Bellingham, who uh, at times I think on the ball uh, did things out of sheer will and and uh, determination, whereas with Natcha it always looks easy. I think, it, it I mean. It's hard to talk about uh, Metscher, you know, Keteris Paribus with everything else not being uh, a consideration. But if we were able to just look at the player, I think it's easy to see why uh, a coach looks at the, the raw material and thinks, I can turn this into a great player. Because there there's a lot to like in terms of natural raw ability. The, the physical skill set is excellent uh, for a central midfielder in, in the modern game. Um, and, and if you look at highlight videos or whatever, there's always, uh, a bit problematic because, um, if, if something doesn't work, you just don't show it. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, uh, Matcher will do a nice, uh, turn upfield and the video cuts before he loses the ball. But, uh, if you know football, you know he lost the ball there because otherwise they wouldn't have cut the video. Uh, which is all to say, uh, would I have spent 30 million on him? Definitely not. Do I understand why, uh, Terzic looked at the guy and thought, Hey, I'm, I'm a good coach. I develop players. I can develop this guy. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. And ultimately it's, uh, not going to be fair towards Matcher to always compare him to Bellingham. It's obviously still going to happen. Um, but. I, I also think that Dortmund will be well served to uh, sign another option in midfield, possibly a more defensive minded, which I think is also just on the table. Um, because nobody is going to replace uh, everything that Bellingham has done over three years, and especially, uh, you know, growing into the player he was last year. Uh, and, and having that expectation from anyone is, is uh, crazy. And even if Metscher is. Uh, 
two and a bit years older than Bellingham. He's not nearly as far along as Bellingham has been. Uh, it's it's more comparable, I, I guess, to uh, Bellingham after his first season at Dortmund, so the 21, uh, 2021 uh, version. And can can a matcher develop into somewhat uh, of what Bellingham has done? Uh, certainly, because he's got all the raw ability, but I think if we do now take the the other stuff into account, uh, he's going to have a mountain to climb um, just to get everyone on track with him, and, and uh, it's it's definitely not going to be easy uh, at the start for him. And if if he uh, didn't hold or seem to hold despicable views, I'd almost feel sorry for him in some regards. Yeah, it's obviously not going to be easy for him now. Um, obviously, you know me. I what I want most out of my number eight uh, are line-breaking Hollywood passes. Um, and of course, uh, Ikagunuan would have been my favorite result, uh, but obviously, um, that was never going to happen. That was just not realistic at all. Um, but is is this a skill that you've seen be it highlight videos or just watching Wolfsburg games that he does possess or or Germany games for that matter or under 21 games well I actually was in the stadium for his one and only uh, senior international game which uh, was in Cologne the 2-3 loss against Belgium can't necessarily say that he made any kind of impression on me there but that was the case for everyone on German team uh, except Emil John actually, um, and maybe Session Atlee, but uh, I digress. Um, I mean, I would answer with another question. Do you think that was Bellingham's forte at any point during no, those no, three years? I don't, I don't actually think it, it was. If I had to point out one weakness of Bellingham is that uh, his line-breaking passes uh, were not up to par for a player in his position considering, um, you know, what you would expect from a player um, of, of his caliber. Um, so sometimes you, you have an amazing player that has a slight deficit in one area. And uh, so you sign a different player who does not have that dis deficit. And so at least you can get excited about this one single thing. Um, at least uh, in, in, my uh, in my way, that's uh, how, how it often is. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's uh, similar for you. Um, but uh, if Metra has this, maybe this is something I can get excited about. But right now, I'm—I don't know—I struggle being excited about this transfer in, in in general, and I really have to observe um, how Dortmund and how the player handle all this because he is one stupid Instagram post away from more controversy and Dortmund looking really, really stupid. Um, so we'll we'll see how this goes. But um, yeah, as you said. There are, of course, um, other um, things that don't want to have to do. Um, now, uh, what is the latest on uh, Ajax's Edson Alvarez? Or Edson Alvarez? Edson. Edson. Um, uh, obviously, uh, people will have noticed, uh, I think last week, uh, coming from Dutch um, reporters, the... Uh, Quite surprising report that uh, the transfer had fallen through uh, with Dortmund ultimately unwilling to uh, pay up for Alvarez, uh, which I kind of can understand because he and Emil Can 
fill out a fairly similar profile in terms of being uh, holding midfielders who are also quite comfortable dropping into defense, be that in a, a three-man build-up scheme or you know just a regular uh, three-man defensive line. Um, but then to start this week, uh, reports from Germany coming out that the deal is not uh, considered at Dortmund to be completely dead. Um, because they obviously had uh, gained approval by uh, Alvarez himself. He apparently was already looking for uh, housing options in Dortmund. Um, so he seemed keen enough. Uh, and I think as of right now, there's no reports about him going anywhere else. And he apparently has uh, a promise from the Ajax uh, directors, uh, even though that was before Sven Mistentot took over there, um, that he can <laughs> leave can leave this year because uh, last year they blocked a much more expensive, by the way, uh, move to Chelsea. Um, yeah, the, the reporting is that he's still available for a base fee of 35 million plus however much in bonus payments. Um, I would be surprised if Dortmund were suddenly willing to pay that after not being able to agree with everyone uh, that that's something they should pursue. Um, the, the talk of the town is that Sebastian Kiel was really keen on the signing, did the, all the, the legwork, uh, went to Amsterdam talking to Alvarez and his girlfriend and, and <laughs> basically getting the deal towards the finish line. And then once they were, uh, you know, talking amongst themselves, are we all on board with this? Uh, apparently, Edin Terzic said, you know what, I'm quite fine with Emma John. I don't think we need to spend this much on another uh, defensive midfielder. And that's when the deal apparently fell through, uh, if if it did. But yeah, I'm, I'm not certain that anything has materially changed since then that would make Dortmund now be comfortable with signing Alvarez. So unless the conditions change in their favor i think it's fairly unlikely uh, also uh, because quite frankly if you are alvarez and last year chelsea wanted to pay over 50 million for you and you were already looking for housing options in dortmund and they say you know what uh, all the work we did uh, we kind of want to go back on all that uh, that would piss me off royally if i were alvarez and i think the the good thing for him is he's uh, currently uh uh, at the Gold Cup, um, he's playing for Mexico, who haven't gone the uh, US route of sending basically a B team. So he's uh, able to uh, exact his anger on opponents. Um, yeah, but I I would be quite surprised if the deal happened now. Yeah, I actually did see him when uh, Mexico played the United States in the Nations League final, I think it was. And, um, or semi-final, I don't even remember. Um, but yeah, uh, already an all-time classic game because of all the sending offs <laughs> in it, and uh, the very first um, scene of that game was uh, Edson Alvarez completely hacking someone down. I I forgot who it was, um, but you know a, a completely reckless challenge. Um, did I see a player worth about I don't know what was the reported fee at that point forty million? Nah, probably not. <laughs> But uh, do do uh, Dortmund need a player uh, on the number six position, 
of of a higher caliber. Um, yeah, I would say so. Um, I'm I'm where you are. Um, I'm very glad about uh, Emre Can's development and how he uh, finished out the season, let's say. But do I know if Emre Can can replicate this form, can hold on to it going into the next season? I have no idea. Maybe. Uh, Maybe he can improve upon it. I've, I don't know, but um, I, I'm I'm with you. I think Dortmund need to bolster up the midfield. Um, now, someone who I probably would have liked to see in Dortmund is uh, Ineskiri, um, who just joined Eintracht Frankfurt on a free transfer uh, from Cologne. Um, <sighs> yeah, so um, the other news out there right now uh, is that West McKinney <laughs> uh, is... According to our good friend Konstantin Egner, uh, uh, being rumored with Borussia Dortmund, uh, either talks happened or, or, or something. Now, I personally can't really see this happening at all, and uh, I don't know if I want to call out Konstantin, but um, I have a hard time imagining Dortmund really having any um, real interest into Weston McKinney, the former Schalke and Juventus player. Um, but Lars, should we indulge this at least for one second and uh, say Dortmund were to sign him? Um, do you see him then starting over Emre Can or where would you see uh, West McKinney in the Borussia Dortmund midfield? I mean, I don't remember him ever uh, or, or seeing him as the lone holding midfielder anywhere. Uh, yeah, neither do I. Would, would I don't it be more think he's a, a yeah. I don't think he's a DM. Uh, I mean, uh, I definitely don't want them to sign McKenny. I couldn't care less about his uh, Schalke pass in that regard because I just don't rate him as a player. Um, outside of work rate and uh, you know maybe aggression, uh, I I don't see anything uh. Close to to Dortmund level in, with him, and I was already quite surprised when Juventus signed him. And he, to be fair to him, he did reasonably well at the start for Juventus. They kind of liked him there, but uh, when they sent him out on loan with an obligation to buy, which uh, Leeds United avoided by way of relegation, um, that kind of said it all. And and then I think he was regularly featured among the. Uh, worst or let's say most disappointing players of the last Premier League season uh, after not really doing too much for Leeds as far as I know. So yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's it's sometimes fun to think of shit transfers uh, a, a club could make, but um, I would definitely question uh, the logic of that signing and I'm quite happy uh, even if it's against our uh, colleague, as it were, Constantine, that Basically, everyone else is saying that McKinney is not coming to Dortmund. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's leave it at uh, that uh, in terms of McKinney. And now, Lars, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, are there any players out there that you would like uh, to see Dortmund sign? Uh, I'm, I'm sure I could think of some. Uh, I think the, 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 the big one... I wanted them to go for was Schiri, uh, as you said, but he's now apparently off to Frankfurt, which is an amazing deal for Frankfurt because uh, he was rumored to go to uh, maybe AC Milan or uh, Sevilla, uh, so clubs of a bit of a different category, uh, no uh, offense to Frankfurt. So 
that would have been quite uh, quite an obvious fit uh, because he uh, basically does everything well in midfield and has played uh, under Steffen Baumgart for Cologne, which we know Dortmund like uh, as a system and as, and as a playing style in general because they've already signed Sally Özcan and also Anthony Modest. Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I, I, I'm not sure. I, I think they are going to sign a uh, fullback, uh, probably not Ivan Fresneda because he's apparently off to Barcelona. They might need another center half, especially if uh, Sumaila Koulibaly is off to Burnley, uh, as it seems to be the case. Uh, another midfielder type, possibly more in the holding uh, variety. And I wouldn't be surprised if they signed another attacking option, not necessarily a striker, but they were rumored to be interested in uh, Sergio Arribas of uh, Real Madrid Castilla, uh, who I think scored like 21 goals this season in, granted, the Spanish third division, but he's being considered as a future first team player for Real Madrid. Um, so, you know, someone just, just to give them another option, uh, because uh, right now, I think you're looking at um, Marlon and Adeyemi and then it's already Bino Gittens oft injured injured right now, uh, Gio Reyna oft injured, uh, Julien Duranville, 16 years old, or maybe he's 17 now, playing uh, his second uh, Bundesliga game the next time he's on the pitch, so uh, wouldn't be the worst idea to just have another attacking option, but quite frankly uh, I mean, we still have Brandt and Reus <laughs> Yeah, but they are not going to play on the wings for Edin Terzic. That, that is, maybe, that is may, true. maybe Brandt uh, in a pinch, but I mean, they 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 were cooking with gas last season when they figured out how to use Marlin and Adiemi, and I think uh, especially Duranville uh, uh, could could give them something similar next season or, or this season now, I guess. But uh, yeah, just another option. But uh, I I. I genuinely think it's not going to be uh, the case that they fill all those uh, holes, if, if we want to call them that, until they get rid of some of the quote-unquote dead weight. So there's now a rumor about Thomas Meunier going back to Belgium. Uh, Nico Schulz wasn't at the first day of preseason because he's uh, being set free for talks with other clubs. I don't know who in their right mind would want to sign in, but maybe uh, there's an option for him to leave. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> presumably Dortmund will have to pay uh, a large portion of his wages for the, the last year of his contract, but still just good not to have him around. Um, and then Torgan Azar doesn't seem to have a great market either. So that's just three players with very high wages uh, taking up space in the squad without having you know any realistic uh, opportunity to play much next season. So I guess getting rid, uh, if we want to be so frank, um, of, of those guys will uh, free up a lot of uh, space in, in their wage budget and, and allow them possibly to go back to the shopping aisle, maybe more towards the middle or end of August. So I wouldn't be shocked if there was quite a bit of late business this year. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's going to be too much happening in the, in the next couple of weeks if if I'm uh, 
brutally honest. When does the transfer window close? Is it the beginning of September, end of yeah, August? Yeah, first, first, uh, first or 2nd of September, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I think most of the stuff will actually get done then. Um, is the season underway by then? I The schedule yeah. was just released. Um, it is, it is. Yeah, Dortmund, I think, do do they uh, host Cologne in the opening match? That's about as much as I've uh, yeah. get, gathered. Um, yeah, they also play Mainz in the cup, but it's not FSV Mainz, it's uh, TSV shot Mainz. Um, so, yeah, that, that uh, hopefully Dortmund <laughs> can, uh, <laughs> can survive from, I don't even know what division they play in, but it can be very high. <laughs> Because I've I think never... I think the Regionalliga, uh, so fourth division. Yeah, that that uh, that should be a doable fixture for Dortmund. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Really, there are not that many exciting rumors out there where that really perk up my ears. If I'm honest, uh, so far this the summer window has been quite underwhelming. Um, I'll be honest. Uh, I thought there would be a bit. M- more movement than I thought Dortmund had a more exciting player lined up than Felix Metzger as uh, Bellingham's replacement. I'm also uh, frank about that. Um, so, so far, um, the way Kiel and the entire club have handled um, the summer window, I'm, I don't know. I I see myself paying less and less attention if, if that's any indicator of how it's going. Um, so it's not going great. Um, yeah, it's it's weird to see um, the performance diagnostics already start because for me personally, um, I'm I'm still on on a summer break mentally and uh, yeah, so I I assume that training camp will start soonish and the whole ramp up for the season. Um, yeah, but I'm certainly not in that mode yet. I'm very much still in the off season mode, and uh, I hope this will uh, remain. I think for for a little while, um, Lars, I'd say we, we, I mean, we'll definitely not be back before our vacation. I think anything uh, earth shattering will happen in that time anyway. So I guess in two, three weeks, if anything really of interest happens, we'll be back. If not, it it might be another month, I'll be honest. Um, But uh, as always, thank you for coming on. Uh, Everyone out there, thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, have have a great summer. Until then, goodbye.